Welcome to On the Brink, a fresh lens to take you and your business to new heights. Hi, I'm Andy Simon, your host and your guide, and I always love to bring you interesting people to help you see, feel, and think in new ways. You know, that's my song. And I really do enjoy finding people who add real good value in innovative ways and have a great perspective for you. So as you listen today, you're going to find Brian Gladden, our guest, to actually fill you with big ideas about things that you already sort of know, maybe, like strategy and execution and how you do it and why you do it, but also um, maybe how you can do it even better. So who's Brian Gladden? I actually did some work for Brian out of Sacramento State because that's where he is the entrepreneur in residence for Sacramento State University's Carlson Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurship. So I taught a class there and it was really exciting to watch the folks. They were all from the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and that made it even more exciting. But we share a common love for blue ocean strategy and for other things. Dr. Brian Gladden is a founder and CEO of the Strategy and Innovation Institute, a management consulting firm that helps organizations innovate and grow through proven strategy, demand, pardon me, and innovation methods. SI2, the Strategy and Innovation Institute, I love it, helps corporations and startups shift their perspective to find unmet needs, create new market space, and compete more effectively in the current markets. He's a certified coach and expert on the leading strategy and innovation framework tools, whether it's Lean Stack, the Lean Canvas, Lean Startup, Design Thinking, Blue Ocean Strategy, and Strategizer. So he really has spent years researching new market creation, business model innovation, and how to gather insights into customer needs. Over the years of consulting and sales experience, he's worked for Fortune 500 firms, Verizon, Sprint, Intel, Cisco, and he's worked for American, Japanese, German, Swiss, and Canadian companies. So you can tell why I think this is so much fun. For 38 years, he's been a member of Rotary, and he's deeply involved in his daughter's soccer team and is an avid sportsman. I love it. So, Brian, how are you? I am great, Andy. Thank you for having me today. This is awesome, and I always enjoy hanging out with you and talking strategy and innovation. We do have share some common interests. Tell the listeners about who is Brian Gladden, a little bit more about your journey, because I read your bio, but it doesn't flesh it out the same way your story can. And people love stories. So what's your story? Yeah, absolutely. So been in 30 years in sales and business development uh, for large and small uh, high-tech firms. So every, every high-tech type of segment you can imagine, storage and security and software and Managed services, you know, a lot of years in telecom with Verizon and Sprint and so on, working with the big fortune, you know, 500, as well as some small startups, tech-based. And here, uh, you know, close to Silicon Valley, grew up in the Central Valley, Fresno, Bakersfield, now I'm in the Sacramento region. And that's all great, um, but I was always driven by innovation, doing something, launching something new. So I always had a side hustle trying to launch something on the side. Crashed and burned many times, which is probably my greatest learnings um, that I'm proudest of. I was like, okay, now you know what not to do and try it again. Um, but I always wanted to do something bigger when I was working with the big, the big boys. You know, okay, how do we get these two companies to do something together and large strategic innovation things? And I knew that was my passion. So I said, okay, after uh, almost 30 years, 25 years, I'm like, I need to go back and I want to get my doctorate. So I did that in strategy and innovation and focused all my research on business model innovation, new market creation, all these theories we talked about, becoming an expert, and then went and got certified by all the people who created these new theories and frameworks. 
And the last, then I went to work for one of the big consulting firms, get that real, you know, pure consulting experience. And in the last two years, I've been trying to do it on my own. You know, what a time launched through COVID. So it's, uh, it's been fun and I'm excited. It's going well. It's starting to catch on both corporate innovation and startup, you know, help I'm doing as well as my role at the university, uh, trying to help uh, the entire ecosystem in the region. So it's, uh, that's my journey from a business perspective and on the, uh, the family and stuff, lots uh, of stuff there I could go into as well. You know, Brian, you and I work with companies probably in similar ways for similar problems. They get stalled or stuck. My first book, On the Brink, um, eight case studies of clients of ours who got stalled or stuck. And often the way forward was right in front of them if only they could see it. Often they needed a new strategy. And that's when I discovered the Blue Ocean Strategy I mean, I've been doing this since 2005 when the book came out. And then when I got certified, <clears throat> I've done 450 workshops like you. I like to think blue, not competitive or red. Share with the listeners your own affection because you have different models. How do you choose which one in different times for different places? Which one works well and, and which ones don't? This is <laughs> a great question because, uh, and I'll get into the answer. And why it's such a great question is because all of the leading frameworks, the ones you mentioned and all the books behind me and the ones that you can Google about biggest business books and the who's who on you know, business thinkers, the customer is always at the center of those frameworks, yeah. right? What's the customer need, the customer problem? It's all about the customer. And as you mentioned, you know, a lot of people, the problems, the businesses, whether a startup or a company, they focus on the competition and what the thing is I make now, that solution, and they focus on how do I beat the competition and you're always measuring against the competition <laughs> yeah. doesn't matter. It's all about the customer. And so that's why I love these frameworks and blue ocean. I love because I love big thinking and creating something that never existed, you know, new market space, um, which is what blue ocean's about, but they work all together with all these other theories because there's tools that you can use for certain times. Am I at the ideation stage or am I at discovering problem stage or am I at, you know, the really validating the problem and what all these different areas. And so you can use different tools. And that's one of the biggest problems that executives have, right? Your head's going to explode. All these different tools and processes and frameworks. How do I know what to use? And McKinsey, they're one of their articles. So that's one of the biggest problems. People don't know what to use and when to use it and how to use it. So I try and dumb it down. Like you, I simplify it that, okay, what's the problem? All right. This happens to be a tool. Let's just use this tool, but let's figure out what the problem is, where's the unmet demand, and how can you as a company or a business solve that problem? Well, you know, as entrepreneurs, and you're an entrepreneur, I mean, I've been in business for 20 years now, my own business, and I spent 20 years in corporate before that and 10 years in the academic world. So I've flavored different, I've tasted different flavors as you have. But the piece that I've learned over and over again is that people learn through experiential learning, but they learn slowly. And it's not easy if they don't do something with it. And, and so the tools are, are useful, but often uh, and out of context, they don't resonate well. They don't have that epiphany. And, and so often what we try to do is match up, as you're saying, the right approach to the right problem. Defining that problem isn't so easy. And often they define it like the mind works based on what they know. And that's not the problem often. The problem is, oh, well, the movement 
customers are moving. I always love it when one of my clients comes because they lost a large client. Their best customer just left. And I said, yep, that's a good reason to come and figure out what are you doing? Where are they going? What are they looking for? And I usually hear, oh, well, we, we don't do that. I said, so why don't you do that? That's what they need. And they said, because that's not our business. I said, well, it's going to be or something or you won't have any business. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I bet you have similar kinds of situations. Yeah, it, it's uh, all the time, it, it, whether you're doing a speaking engagement or a consulting engagement or educating in a workshop. And one of the first things is to talk about what is this innovation and why do I ever need to do it? Um, and there's misconceptions. And, you know, one of the definitions that I love about innovation is it's a leap in value for the customer, period. Yep. Not invention. And so especially being near Silicon Valley, a lot of people want to invent stuff. Well, it's not about your solution. The customer could care less. They're about the problem. Can you get my problem solved in a better way than currently exists? And one of the mindsets that I try and teach, and especially it's a good for startups, and now we've kind of really get into the corporate mindset, a lot of them are taking this on, kind of incubating in corporate you know, world, is changing the mindset. It's about the speed of learning now. It's not about the speed of making something, making a widget. That's the old days, because now business models, five years, your life cycle of business model is done. You got to better reiterate it. You better innovate. I mean, COVID yeah. taught us that, right? right? And so now it's about helping them change their mindset companies from this is what I do to your point versus, okay, what does the customer need? And their needs have changed. We're not together, right? We're virtual COVID. Boom. You, you, you talk about this all the time too. So now how has the customer's need changed? Competition maybe hasn't caught up to it, but if I'm looking at the trends and what's going on and my need to my customer, I can then figure out their journey. Where in their journey is this problem that I could potentially solve? And that's what we need to help them on that journey is like, to your point, well, we don't make that. Well, maybe we have the capabilities. We just have to change, pivot slightly on how we make it, we make it for, um, you know, all those different things. The interesting part is in the old world of Michael Porter's strategy was to define what you do well and stick to what your focus is. You know, that's your business. Well, that might have been good when, you know, the lifespan of a company was 75 years or when it was 15 years or when it was six years. But, you know, the motion now is so fast and the willingness to invent new things and try them is happening that if you are thinking like you used to, you're going to be left behind, which then leaves you with no tools to think about it differently because you knew that real well, but you don't know this much at all. And your customer piece is extremely important. Customers become collaborators here. They can help you design it, think about it. Why are you doing it in the absence of having customers involved? What, what is the magic here that I haven't never figured this out? You know, we don't want to get our customers. Well, why don't you? It's for them. Which customers? You know, and, and I, I yeah. laugh all the time, right? Yeah, absolutely. And my experience so far is working for the Fortune 50, it's the same way. Getting customer feedback is hard work. So most companies don't want to do it because we sit around a boardroom and we say we're strategic planning. And okay, it's our biannual thing and we want to do this. And well, let's pull out our thing from last year. Shoot, we didn't do that, that, and that. Let's try and do those this year. <laughs> and what else can we do? And it's all about you and your opinion. Well, we know what opinions are worth. Yeah. And so these assumptions 
our business plan is an assumption. We have to go out and validate these things. And if our customers' needs change, we've got to pivot because otherwise, my favorite saying, if you're not innovating, you will become obsolete. Mm-hmm. You mentioned, you know, uh, 15 years ago, uh, 52% of the Fortune 500 now don't exist. You know, that yeah. were, they're there yeah. because needs have changed, right? Who, well, Blockbuster, right? Okay, who, who thought that was coming? And when I do talks now, kind of like you, I say, let's not have a Kodak moment. That's right. Right. It used to be when we grew up, we want a Kodak moment, but now we don't want to be Kodak, right? We don't want to be the one who thought of the idea but put it on the shelf. Well, then, and these were, I mean, whether it was Wang or Protégé or Kodak or, you know, Hewlett Packard or think about within our, our story time, our lifetime, how many things, you know, it's not like they're stone tools, you know, that lasted for generations and centuries until they were replaced. But but there's there's a power that's going on that we should turn into opportunities for us instead of fleeing them. But our minds are really stuck. And so our job, yours and mine, is to help unstuck those minds so that people can see, and they literally have to see it. So I, as an anthropologist, I take my company, my clients out with me to go exploring. I say, come on, let's go explore. What do you do as an anthropologist? I explore. So we're going to go hang out, find your customer or the one you want, and ask them if we could spend some time just watching what they do on the manufacturing floor, using your product, see what happens. Oh, my goodness. We leave those situations, and my client writes down everything they saw, and I do the same. And it's as if we were in two different places. They're trying to fit everything into their box, and I'm looking for everything that doesn't fit into a box. I'm looking for gaps. Yes. Said, you got to look for the gaps. The customer is showing you opportunities. And, and so it becomes really, one gentleman at one workshop said to me, those are all the what if questions that my customer was asking me, aren't they? I said, yes. <laughs> he said, we didn't do that. I said, I know. Because <laughs> what ifs are exactly where the possibilities mm, are. Yeah, no, you're spot on. And as a blue ocean, one of my favorite sayings is, that I'll say is your red oceans, your cash cows, are going to fund your next blue ocean, right? Your new competitive space. The only way to do that, to your point, is what we call jobs to be done, right? People problems, a want, a need, right? A pain, a gain. If you boil it down and thinking, well, hey, gee, I asked them, they don't have a problem. Well, find out, to your point, the jobs to be done. You observed them, you interviewed them. What job are they trying to get done right now with your, pro- your product, your sur- solution, your service, or someone else? And one of the things we say, especially from a startup perspective, is new solutions come as byproducts of old existing solutions. So existing alternatives in the market, you or your competitors, there's something wrong with one of those products. The question is, is there a big enough pain that that job's not getting done correctly that you could fill? And you got to figure out what that pain is. And now a word from our sponsors, Simon Associates Management Consultants. That's us. And we're here to help you see, feel, and think in new ways. Whether you are an organization that's stuck or stalled, or an individual in that organization who's looking to rethink their own life's journey, Simon Associates has designed programs and processes to help you do just that. Our first book, On the Brink, A Fresh Lens to Take Your Business to New Heights, told the stories of seven clients who were stuck or stalled, and a little anthropology helped them see things through a fresh lens, reignite their growth, and soar again. My new book that came out in January 2021 is called Rethink, Smashing the Myths of Women in Business. It's all about how 11 women, including myself, 
were able to see past the hurdles, the glass ceilings, and the brick walls and become the best that they could be. They heard things like women aren't lawyers and women can't lead and women aren't in geosciences. And they said, of course we are. And they really pushed through and did it with such ease that they want other women to see what's possible. At the end of the book, I provide a bit of a how-to process for you. If you're on the brink of rethinking your own life's journey, it's time to pause, step back, and ask yourself, where am I going? What's my passion and my purpose? And am I there or can I get there? Send us your emails to info at andysimon.com and we'll get right back to you to see how we can help. On andysimon.com are some free chapters for both books. And you can also join our newsletter and our Facebook group, Rethink with Andy Simon. We are bringing together women to help other women do what they can't do by themselves very often to see what's possible and become the best that they can be. Come join us. And now back to our podcast. Now, one of the other things in thinking about reimagining your business or the market is creating demand. You come up with a great idea. You think it is. And it doesn't sell so well that the skills required to create demand are essential to moving into new market space, but often missing. And I can't tell you how many mid-market customers, clients of ours, don't have any marketing at all, much less a way of They mean the inbox fed them, the referral process kept them going. And it's real interesting watching them figure out now, I got this new idea, but I don't know what to do with it. I said, so you have to figure out who are the influencers? How do you create demand? I bet you've seen the same thing. Yeah, and influencing is obviously now a big buzzword. Um, What does it mean? (laughs) Yeah, those people that are, you know, digital marketing experts help you find that, whether it's your athlete or a person on Instagram with 2 million followers or the person who's, you know, got great reviews on something is like, or a big customer that is reputable that say, okay, I've used this product. So like, how do we find those influences even within a company? You know, you got purchasers, users, influencers, buyers, right? Different personas. And to find the right group, especially in B2B is a little harder sometimes. But you've got to be able to find out each of those groups, what's their job to get done. So if I'm a buyer procurement, my job's budget. All right, I got to be able to show my ROI. But the user might be the guy in a different department and he's an engineer. Well, what's his job he's trying to get done with this thing you're trying to sell him? And understanding those jobs to be done, how they're influencers, purchasers, users, there's different groups. And that's key when you're building that model to say, how do we scale this? How do we get traction in market? We call it, you know, traction versus just revenue, getting someone to use it, getting the feedback. And really, we try and boil it down to, I do this method of create the business model, prioritize the riskiest assumptions, and then go test those into like, you. we got to go out in the market, we got to get feedback and say, okay, not about, is my solution great? And tell me what, you know, why don't you want this thing? You know, tell me what your problems are. And then did I, is this thing going to solve that? If not, let me go fix it again. And is this what you want to help solve that problem? Well, but you know, I have had um, a client down in Virginia. I live in New York. And, and on strange occasions, I get calls from him. We created this new solution for our banking clients, but nobody's buying it. It's the best way you could possibly get and their inventions are abundant. There are lots of inventions that never monetize. And, and, and I always, so I, 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 I'm always fascinated by him not realizing that the very invention he's created is going to put people out of jobs. So why would they buy it? 
And he said, well, that's the whole idea. I said, well, you're selling it to the wrong people then because they're not going to buy. But that's who it's for. I said, no, what is wrong with this? Why are you so smart and yet missing the whole nature of this mm, chain? Um, Yeah, I love that because most businesses, doesn't matter, small, big, large, you know, they think of the thing, the solution they're selling, product or service, the solution. But they're not thinking about their entire business model. It could be a greatest new idea ever. Um, or just some incremental little thing, but your business model is really what you you need to sell. It's you how you create, deliver, and capture value. Right. And most businesses have no idea their entire business model. And maybe the CEO does, but the rest of the organization doesn't. What's our channels? What are our real customer segments? Um, what are our you know advantages? Um, what are our partners? How do we get these things to them? What's our unique value propositions? Yep. So. Really, it's the model. The great, the idea comes up, boom, we might have a problem and a customer. Now, do we have a viable model? Can, is it desirable? Can we make it? And can we make money out of it? And those, we have to test those ideas before we launch, and we can do it pretty quick. Yep. In today's world, you sure can do it pretty quickly. But you, I'm a testing person because in some ways, you never stop testing. But the you know, the, you know, I was reading about Cisco and how it came and went, and now it's trying to recome again. And uh, but but I listened to his, the president at a Cisco press conference, and you know, we used to have twenty-year plans, ten-year plans, five-year plans. I'm lucky if I have a plan. And and the speed with which demands are changing for what we did and do are, and it's not hard to see the obsolescence coming in before we get them into market. So everything's testing. Yeah, no, absolutely. So and you probably see behind me the testing business ideas book. And, you know, it's the new Bible for kind of testing. I think it's a real world. How do we do these tests? And, I, you know, I'm still getting better at that versus the idea and the, uh, you know, partnering strategy. And so it's real, you know, online, in-person interviews, uh, landing pages, websites, right? all these different ways to test. And it goes back to if I'm one of your original questions, what do I see out there with businesses? Yeah. And it's that that business model. First, let's document it. Right. And then we got to figure out, okay, where are these jobs and problems? Who are these segments? What can we do to test these things quickly? And that reduction of risk is huge. And so most folks, to your point about quick learning, I said, you know, now it's all about the speed of learning. There's no more 200 page word documents as a business plan. So a lot of people are still doing that. And that's what I see even today. Startups, big business, doesn't matter. It's like, oh, I got my Word doc. I have my, my 100 pages of Excel projections. Those are out the window. Your banker, your investor will never read that Word document. They'll read the executive summary in the last page. Now it's the PowerPoint, 10, 12, 15 slides. What's the problem? Who's it for? How big is that market? What's your differentiator? And show me the proof traction that you've you know got whether it's revenue or some you know validation from a testing and so forth. So it's all about quick tests, validating the problem. But people want to love their idea. They want to love their solution. You gotta we say love the problem, not the solution. And then you will quickly get to market and actually get traction. Yep. You know, one of the things that people need to understand is how strategy is a reflection of the story in your mind. We live our stories. The reason it's so difficult is that once you have that story strategy in your mind, the business model and how you live every day, that's your life. That's who you are. That's your reality. It's an illusion. It's not true. The only truth is there's no truth. I can't say that often enough. But that that assumption that that's what's real 
it's so disconnected from the end users and from everything in between that it becomes important for you to realize the way the mind works. The mind does exactly what it thinks you want it to do, and it doesn't like to work too hard. So until you change your story and write a new one, and so part of the whole process, at least for the way we work, and I have a hunch you do, is to put up big pieces of paper on there, draw lots of pictures, and start telling stories about what you think the customer of tomorrow is. And what you'll hear in your organization is everyone has a different story. And then you go out and you talk to customers and they have a whole different story too. And how are you going to get aligned so that what you're building and what they need can actually fit in the story? It's not that they are reluctant to buy it. It just doesn't fit their story. And now we got to change that story. This is a lot of storytelling, right? Yeah, I absolutely love it because the story... I look at it as the customer's journey. What's the customer's story? Where are they now? Um, what's their problem? What are they overcoming? You know, what's their friction? And it's pulling them this way and that way. And that you need to understand their journey. And a lot of times we'll talk, I do talks and workshops. Um, we'll put up kind of the visual of a customer journey and talk about Star Wars, right? Because everyone knows Star Wars is an easy storytelling. And some of the whether it's an executive or a startup entrepreneur is like, oh yeah, I'm, um, you know, um, Luke Skywalker. And I'm like, no, you're not Luke Skywalker. Your customer is Luke Skywalker. You're Obi-Wan Kenobi. (laughs) You're creating the lightsaber that you're giving to the customer who's Luke, who's now going to go defeat the evil empire, right? (laughs) And you have all these things. You are the coach and the guide providing him with this tool, this solution to beat his competition and get his, to his customers versus you being the hero. You're not the hero. Your customer's the hero. But that image is really a fascinating one because we do see ourselves as the um, uh, Luke Skywalker. That, that's, you know, that's who I am. I'm big and I'm successful. Well, you are as long as there are customers for you. And if there aren't, then you were big and successful and you were the history, not the current or the future. Yeah. But it's a fun time to talk. Um, the, the, um, as you're looking forward, are there any trends that our listeners and audience should pay attention to that you are seeing as you're working with clients out there? Yes. And uh, I know you, you know these things well. Um, especially in crisis right now, we talk about pandemic and crisis creates opportunity. Yeah, we'll uh, I created an X, Y axis. I need to publish this. and you know, We'll talk about it when I do, but uh, as crisis goes up, opportunity to innovate goes up because we have to, we have to meet these new needs. Overnight, we had a new need in COVID quickly. We're all taking takeout food and we're on virtual zoom and kids are wearing masks at school. And we're, you know, we're doing everything differently overnight. So, when, when crisis happens, there is opportunity. So what is happening that is, you know, really affecting a large group of your customers, a customer segment? Is there a crisis? Macro level and environmental issues. I start with looking at from customer forces, from industry to technologies, to socioeconomic, which would be things like COVID to the dollar and gas and war. So all of these are pushing on your business model. You could easily look in the, in the whole external environment how is that really affecting my customers, my partners, supply chain, which we're all having to deal with now? Yep. And those are causing problems downstream and upstream for your customers. So that's an easy one is that macro level. And then in your industry, start looking at trends 
I mean, you can just Google uh, your own industry and see, oh, you know, with AI or virtual reality, um, you know, data analytics is everywhere, cybersecurity. It's a lot of technology, as we know, is enabling faster and faster innovation. So technology is not a solution. As you know, it's an enabler. And so it could enable you to create some new solution. What would that look like for your customers? What do they need? What, what could it help job to get done better, you know, faster, more efficient, something like that? So those are easy things I start with when I look at business model. What's pushing on your model, your industries, you know, inside your industry, what are trends happening? And then think of, I always, don't look at competition, think of existing alternatives. Yeah. That's the, everything that's possible. There's every solution in the world has an existing alternative competitor. How do I get that job done now differently? An adjacent market, a substitute product, an indirect product, but there's always a competitor in an existing alternative space. How can someone get that job done now? Uber, right? Okay, well, taxis, or do I drive myself, or do I take public transportation, right? So even though there was no shared um, services market that was brand new creation, there was always an existing alternative. Yep. I think that as the listener is listening or watching us, you're going to see two people who are fascinated helping organizations see, feel, and think in new ways. On the Brink is designed to help you do that. And as I'm listening to Brian, it's fun to share that we, we that, that there are those of us who can't wait to help you out there. Take a good look at the changes that are happening. And every time I do a workshop, similar to the one I did with Brian's folks, uh, they have epiphanies, aha moments, and their brain goes, shh. So he and I probably both preach the more ideas you have, the more likely you have good ones, but get them from outside your industry. In blue ocean thinking, you go across the six paths. Don't look in your industry, look across them. Don't look in your market segment, look across them. You know, don't, don't assume that where you are, what you're doing is the way. Look at all the options, and I'm particularly interested in the trends or time. You know, what's moving? Because if you're not checking your trends, you're going to miss the boat that's going to take you to the next place. And, and they are coming quickly in every industry in all different kinds of ways. What fun. Brian, one or two things you want our listeners to remember about Brian Gladden and what you do and how you can help them do it? Awesome. Well, let's see. Well, I'd say the, the major few things I want you to remember is that you need to innovate or you're going to become obsolete eventually. You, you've got to get some innovation structure in place to do that correctly. And second, stop loving your solution and start loving the problem. Yep. Find out the customer's jobs that they need to get done better, and you can be their savior and do that. Uh, those are the big ones. And what do I do? I help coach people through this, whether it's a startup or corporate innovation, strategic planning, new market creation, right? How do I refresh my business model as well as create that culture of innovation? So um, I would love to help uh, any of the listeners on their journey help do those things. It's a time for reimagining everything. And don't assume we're going to go back to what was. We won't. We can't. It's gone. And the new, new isn't a new normal. It's a new emerging. And we're going to be continuously reimagining what's possible. And I'm not sure we're going to get stuck and stalled like we used to because we can't afford to. And it's not about the competition anymore. It's about the customer. Because that customer is changing everything, and it's going to be an interesting time to see how it impacts all of us, including you and me. So 
Um, for those of you who have been listening to Brian Gladden and myself wander through Blue Ocean Strategy and other strategic things, we love to help you see, feel, and think in new ways. It's just what he does. It's what I do. And it isn't about getting better at tweaking what you have. It's about adding value innovatively. It's about imagining how to get past what you've always been. Please don't be a settler who just does and imitates everybody else. If you tell me I'm really good in my industry, don't be. It's gone. And I don't care whether it's my healthcare clients or my accounting clients or my professional service clients or my universities. Nothing is the way it was. So for those who come to these wonderful podcasts, I can't tell you how much I enjoy sharing with you. I think I'm, we're actually talking to you as if you're sitting right there with us. I wish you were, sort of. I'm enjoying being able to do this across the globe with people from all places who can talk about all kinds of things. Info at andysimon.com will get right to us. And Brian's information will be on our podcast blog as well, so you can find it there. But it's great fun. Thank you, Brian. It's been a pleasure. Everybody stay well, please, and stay happy. And think about what's coming next and go reimagine it all. It's great times. All right. Thank you so much, Andy. I enjoyed it. Bye.